The on time or on us guarantee is one of the reasons that I use a certain printing company for some of the, the printing projects that come up. I really appreciate their dedication with that guarantee, that promise that they make to their customers. I, I appreciate that dedication, that commitment to getting those printing items, brochures, postcards, business cards, things like that, getting them to me when I need them. And so I often will choose this company. And a couple of weeks ago when I needed some brochures for Divine Savior Church, I placed the order, set it all up. It was good to go. The box arrived on time. Delivery was great. I didn't think anything of it. And I didn't even open the box until I needed those brochures. And so then I went to that box and I cut it open and opened the cover. And then I looked inside and to my surprise, and not really my delight, there were 1,000 brochures for Woody's, several Z's at the end of that, Woody's, Woody's Motel. And Woody's Motel, I mean, it looks like quite the nice little cute, cozy log cabin vibe they got going on for a midwinter, mid-Michigan getaway. It's in Cairo, Michigan. But it wasn't quite what I was expecting and hoping was in that box. And so while the delivery was on time, the promise wasn't kept. In fact, the brochures that I needed, they didn't come till several days later after I contacted the company and said, hey, and it would be pretty naive of me to ask you if, if you've ever had a similar experience, if you've ever had a promise broken, because we all have. Even the very best of companies, the companies that, that strive and, and they put an emphasis and energy into that commitment that they have to their customers and to all the promises that they make to them, even the very best companies sometimes, sometimes they fall flat. Maybe it's a fluke thing. Maybe there were extenuating circumstances. Maybe there were legitimate excuses that could have been made, but still, a broken promise is a broken promise. And a broken promise erodes trust. And how much harder and how much more painful for us when it isn't a company that breaks their promise, but a companion. When it is a friend who fails to deliver. When it's a family member who falls short on their commitment and their dedication to us. And those broken promises, you've experienced those as well. And they also hurt. They also cause pain, and they also erode our trust. And trust is so essential. 
trust is absolutely vital in our relationships. Trust is what allows us to know joy, to experience real love and, and kindness. Uh, trust opens us up to those experiences of peace and security. Trust gives us confidence. And without trust, you can't experience any of those things, and especially not on a grand scale. And so trust is also essential to our relationship with God. Because in the Bible, God makes promise after promise after promise after promise to you. Can you trust God? That's what the Christian faith is. It's a call from our God to trust Him, to trust in His promises. To trust that He won't break them, but that He will keep them. The promises that God gives to you, promises like the promise that this world and what you experience in it is not all that there is. The promise that He is preparing a place for you. And that He will come back to bring you to that place. The, the promise that He sends His Holy Spirit to guide you each and every day of your life as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, as a citizen, in every role and every calling that you have. His promise that in all things He is ruling from heaven above and in all things He is ruling for your good. Can you trust God and His promises? Millennia ago, a man named David was called to trust in God's promises. And, and centuries later, Mary also was called to trust God's promises. And we heard about those promises that were delivered to them by these messengers, the, the prophet Nathan and then the angel Gabriel as they came to these individuals with God's promises. Well, first we'll look at that promise that was delivered through Nathan to David. It's about a thousand B.C., and David has become the king over the nation of Israel. And his ascent to the throne, it was directed by God himself, but it also came through adversity. David had been hunted down by the former king, Saul, who wanted to eliminate this threat to his rule. Then David needed to lead the armies of Israel to fortify their borders, to establish their dominance, their rule in the region. David needed to prove himself and his leadership, not only in the military arena, but then the diplomatic, in the governance of his own people. He oversaw, 
huge projects of engineering and construction, including the the construction of his own palace in the city of Jerusalem. And after success in all of those areas, success after success after success, blessing from God after blessing from God, David wanted to build a magnificent place of worship for the Lord his God. But God had a different plan. A different plan that included a promise for David. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. David would not build a house for the Lord, but the Lord would build a house for David. Through that prophet Nathan, God declared, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever massive promises. God promised to watch over David's successor to give him that kingdom, establish his throne. And in history, Solomon was the one who succeeded King David. And in Solomon's reign, God granted peace and prosperity and and wisdom. Promise kept. until it seemed like that promise hadn't been kept. Because immediately after Solomon's years as king, the nation of Israel was divided by a civil war. North versus south. For hundreds of years divided. In fact, they would never be reunited. The northern kingdom was destroyed in 722 B.C. And not too many years later, after the Assyrians had been the world power, then it was the next world power, the Babylonians. In 586 B.C., they destroyed Jerusalem. The magnificent temple that Solomon had built, in which the people worshipped and praised God, leveled to the ground. Was that a throne that endured forever? Was that a house that lasted Forever did God keep his promises? And centuries later then, it was Mary. Mary who heard these promises from God. The messenger was different. It was no longer Nathan the prophet. Now it was an angel, Gabriel, who appeared to this this young lady without power, without position. Yet also from that royal line of David, his family. And the angel Gabriel came with the same exact purpose as Nathan had come to speak God's promises. Gabriel said to Mary, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And already here you see that these promises so intricately tied together 
You'll be my son. God had said to David, I will be his father and he will be my son. God hadn't just declared a, a spiritual fatherhood of the offspring of David, the spiritual fatherhood that he might establish in an earthly king's life. No, he, he declared this real fatherhood from within the divine mystery of the triune God. And then you notice the connection to David and his kingdom that Gabriel continues to make regarding this baby that would be born to Mary. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So as this one, this baby to be born, he would establish this forever throne. He would establish this house that would endure forever. This was how God would keep that former promise. But again, did, did God keep such promises? Certainly, he kept the promise to Mary. She gave birth. She had a child, a son. She named him Jesus. But Gabriel had said that Jesus would be great. Well, he did gather a crowd, masses of people. They, they flocked to him to hear him teach to experience his miracles of healing and provision. But many also deserted him. Especially when he no longer provided the food to fill their bellies. His very, one of his very best friends betrayed him. All his friends deserted him in his time of need. Was it greatness when the Roman soldiers stripped him of his clothes? Well, was it greatness when he stood on trial in the middle of the night before the Jewish leaders and the high priest? Was it greatness in those moments of, of mockery and ridicule? Was it greatness when he was humiliated before Pilate and then Herod and then all the people? Was it greatness? When he was sentenced to die? Gabriel had said that he would be called the, the Son of the Most High, the Son of God Himself. And some people said that. Peter declared, You are the Son of the Living God. But many rejected and despised Jesus because of his claims to divinity in fact it was those very claims to divinity that put him on trial that that landed him before pontius pilate they demanded more miraculous signs refused to accept him and didn't it seem that the hope of an everlasting throne and an eternal kingdom that that hope was destroyed when jesus was nailed to a tree on the hill of Golgotha. Right outside the walls of that city of David. Within eyesight of the hill where David himself had sat on that royal throne. There Jesus was crucified. And the only crown that he wore was a crown of thorns. 
Did God keep his promises? But this is exactly why David and why Mary and why you can trust the promises that God has given you. At Jesus' cross, all of God's promises become prominent. It's at Jesus' cross that we see God keeping his promises to us. And it's at that cross where Jesus said, it is finished, that every single one of God's promises was kept fully and completely for you. The cross connects the promise that God made through Nathan to David with that promise that God made through Gabriel to Mary with all the promises that are in his word that he makes to you. That's why all the background, all, all the history that we walked through this morning, all this biblical trivia that I shared with you today, that's why it all matters. Because at that tree, on that hill, in that moment of darkness and death, God's greatest promise was kept. His promise of a Savior. He kept his promise so that you might trust him. You see, our issues with trust, they really start inside ourselves. Yeah, we can, we can point the finger at others and, and we can show how there have been people who have let us down and they've broken their promises to us. But the real reason that we find it hard to trust people is because we know how hard it is to trust ourselves. You know the promises that you have made that you have broken. You know the promises that you have failed to deliver on. The promises that you've made to your friends and your family, and when you failed to keep them, it caused pain and it caused hurt. And you want to heal, you want to restore. And that is exactly why God sent Jesus. As much as we have fed into the philosophy that's so prevalent in our world that I need to watch out for myself because others, they aren't going to care, they aren't going to follow through, they're going to break their promises because of our own untrustworthiness that, that leads us and gives us one more reason not to trust others, that is why God spoke his own promises. He spoke his promises to heal us and to restore us, to forgive us. The kingdom that he would bring in through his son, it would be an eternal and an everlasting kingdom, but it was not an earthly kingdom. This eternal house that was given to David's greater son, to Jesus, the very son of God, the son of the Most High, is a kingdom for us. Given to Jesus who would save his people from their sins. Who would save us from our own failures and weaknesses. And so it's a kingdom of true forgiveness won by Jesus on that cross. And it didn't end there. 
God showed that this was an everlasting and eternal kingdom because Jesus rose from the grave in victory and power and might. He assumed that throne to sit on it for all eternity, to rule over our hearts and our lives. And he gives this kingdom to us freely, graciously, to everyone who trusts in his promises. Jesus himself, he forms that forever house of all those who follow after him and trust God's promises. So trust in your God. Trust in him like David did. Trust in him like Mary did. Because all of God's promises, they are guaranteed. Hold on to those words that Gabriel spoke. We heard him this morning when Gabriel said it was translated, nothing is impossible with God. Another way to translate that, that Greek phrase, it's completely consistent with those words as well. No word from God will ever fail. And while both are completely accurate translations of the Greek text there, I really appreciate that idea of the second one. No word from God will ever fail because I think it helps us to think about how we can trust our God. That we can trust him even when in the moment maybe it doesn't feel like God's promises are being kept. You can trust him because you know that ultimately he will keep every single promise. Ultimately, no word of his, no promise that he gives will ever fail. So trust in your God. Trust in him when you are hurting and you're broken. Trust him for the forgiveness that he brings. Trust him when you know that you've broken your own promise and you've caused hurt and pain. Trust him for his forgiveness. Trust him because he tells you that you are still his own dear child. Your status as his beloved has not changed. When the path that you've chosen in your life because you felt it was right seems wrong, trust him. Because he does promise to guide and direct you and be with you in every step that you walk. When you're hurting, you feel like you haven't found what you've truly wanted in life, trust in God because you know his greater gifts and his eternal gifts. Trust in him because you know how much he cares about you. And even when life seems to be unraveling before you, it is God himself who is weaving it together. Trust your God. When you're in pain, when you're struggling, whether it's emotional or it's physical, it's medical issues, trust in your God because you know that he will be with you to strengthen you, to encourage you, to walk with you through those deep waters. Trust in your God so you can experience his real love, his real kindness. Trust in your God to experience his peace 
His joy, the eternal security you have in all His promises. Trust your God. Because He kept His greatest promise. The promise given to David, the promise given to Mary, the promise given to you, the promise of a Savior who would bring an everlasting kingdom and you are part of that kingdom because you trust in your God. And he has given to you a kept promise.